Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, as always. Thanks for listening to the show. And thank all you listeners out there who send the constant emails and text messages and the emails from our websites and all that you appreciate the the, uh, podcast and the videos. We do appreciate it. We hope you get something out of it. Uh, That's my goal is to try to help you learn something. Not everybody knows everything. So I certainly don't. So I like to keep learning and uh, and sharing and uh, helping make uh, journeymen's better and helping make masters better and uh, and helping that apprentice achieve the short term goals of moving from a, from an apprentice to journeyman to a master. And then of course, when you become a master, it's a whole series of lifelong mini goals that you should be trying to achieve. Don't look at the picture at the end of the end of your life because then you'll be dead. Uh, achieve those many, many little tasks that help you add up together a great body of achievement. Okay, don't be so long-sighted. We need to be short-sighted a little bit. Okay, it's all good. Anyway, welcome to the podcast again. Today's podcast is sponsored by the CMECP program. That's a Certified Master Electrical Co Professional Program. If you're a master electrician, you want to take your game to the next level, then you may be interested in the world's only Certified Master Electrical Co Professional designed to take master electricians and take their game to the next level. Uh, give them something to achieve, strive for. Show their their superior uh, training and their dedication to moving forward. Uh, all those type of good stuff. So if you're interested in that, visit www.mycmecp.com for more details. All right. So today's episode, we're going to talk about a topic that tends to bring a lot of debate and a lot of misunderstanding. And that topic is grouping. That's right. We're going to talk grouping today because there is a lot of misconceptions about grouping. I'm going to give you a couple scenarios today to just kind of get your juices flowing, make you think about the grouping. Uh, There's been many, many, many questions that I've had to answer uh, through the years when it comes to grouping. I've sent to NFPA informal interpretation requests just to add to my body of uh, work that shows uh, that we're going down the right path and that they is gr- they agree as well. Now, understanding that that's simply an opinion and it's usually the person who writes the response's opinion. It's not necessarily the opinion of NFPA. I get it. Uh, just like when I give an opinion to somebody, it's my opinion. Uh, it is what it is. But it's good to use it as a foundation and, and I do it because I continually utilize one because I pay my membership every year and I want to utilize the service. So I will routinely bounce things off of them and others in order to make sure that I'm keeping abreast of our foundation of established uh, learning so we can sh- give it to others out there and give you some foundation of why we come up with what we come up with here. Um, so again, one of the issues is always seems to be around the grouping uh, and I'll give you a couple of scenarios so that you can kind of, especially for the apprentices or the, or the young ones out there who are, or I should say young, I should say those that are uh, not as experienced maybe as some that are pushing through in uh, the industry and want to learn some of the concepts. And one of those concepts you'll have to understand is grouping. When we say grouping, we mean grouping of service disconnection means uh, when you're dealing with services or even a grouping uh, application when we... Uh, maybe use some of the allowances in 230.40 exception. Uh, those exceptions that allow me to continue service conductors on the exterior of a building till I get to the point where they penetrate into the building and then immediately penetrate into a 
uh, service disconnection means and uh, meet all the rules of 230.70a and, and all that good stuff. But today we're going to focus on grouping. Now what is grouping? Well, 230.72 grouping of disconnects has a general statement and that is uh, subsection A. And it says general. The two to six disconnects as permitted in 230.71 shall be grouped. Okay, There's a shall be in there. That's a, not a permissive statement. That is a mandatory statement. They shall be grouped. And it says each disconnect shall be marked to indicate the load served. Now we have some exceptions to the rule. And we would definitely look at the exception if that's applicable to your installation. But more notably, we want to talk about understanding the concept of grouping because there's all kinds of things that people want to talk about, they don't want to talk about, uh, mistakes that get made when a, in a grouping application. And so we kind of talk about the history. Uh, first things first, a grouping. Obviously, you have to have two or more disconnects to, to initiate any type of grouping thing. So if it's just a single service disconnect, uh, indoors or outdoors at the nearest point of entry, uh, if you're using a transfer switch that's taking the place of a panel, let's say a service panel's main disconnection means, and now that, that transfer switch is SUSE rated or suitable for use as service equipment, it meets all those requirements, and your, all your grounding and bonding takes place there, your electrodes come into there, and uh, you have all of the, the, the requirements in order for overload and, and uh, all these type of things there. Okay, then you do have an application where you're allowed to have something like this on the supply side of a service disconnection means under 230.82, which ultimately that transfer switch, if it meets some of the requirements in 230.82 to be ahead of that service disconnection means that would typically be in the panel, now it actually becomes your service disconnection means. And uh, so assuming you understand all that when you're dealing with one uh, let's say transfer switch or that's, that's SUSE rated or you're dealing with one of the other items that you can have as a service disconnection. So we're going to assume you, you get that. All right. Okay. So to a normal dwelling, let's say you have a meter and you go through the meter straight into the back into a panel uh, and you're meeting all the requirements of 230.70A1, readily accessible location, uh, and that type of thing. Uh, and of course, then you're meeting all the requirements of 230.70A1. Uh, oh, excuse me, 230.70C, which is suitable for use. So that service disk means shall be suitable for the prevailing conditions, depending on where you're locating it and all that. So assuming you meet everything. Now the issue is, what if I have more than one? And so if I have more than one, and it can be multitude of applications, whether it's service laterals coming over from a transformer, uh, and you have up to six of them with their own separate lateral coming over to it, then to collectively under the allowances in 230.40, that's still considered one service. That's all the rules that you'll see also back in 230.2. Uh, this happens to be an exception under 230.40. But seriously understanding that the number of disconnection means to be grouped is an important thing. One, for safety. Uh, if you have an application where they're not grouped, then you, you and they're required to be grouped under 230.72a, then you have a serious issue for the fire folk. Whereas they come and think they're disconnecting power to a building and you never want to assume that just because they might see two meters there, but they see one disconnect, that they know better. Now, some people will argue that if a fire department comes, they're just gonna pull the meters. Okay, right, we don't live in a world of, uh, that where we're gonna assume everything. Okay, there's a lot of stuff we can assume. Uh, some of us will assume they'll cut it at the pole. 
Some of them will assume that, but what if it's a lateral and they can't really get to it ahead of that meter, uh, and they're not going to go in the transformer, so they might just pull the meter and socket. Well, they might, uh, but we simply can't assume that. All right. So, for, for safety purposes, we have to make sure that these disconnection means are grouped uh, in order to the first responders to be able to get there and be able to safely cut power off to this entire structure or multiple units in a structure uh, or whatever the, the need may be. Okay, so that's the key behind the grouping requirement. All right, now, of course, you have aspects in 230.2 that allow you for signage and other allowances to have more than one service to a building. So that leads us into the understanding of a building and our structure. And, of course, we had some significant changes in the 2017 NEC. Uh, moved ref references to fire doors when it came to a building. Uh, structures made it clear that a structure was separate than the actual equipment that's mounted in a structure. So we, we understand it that the equipment doesn't necessarily make something a structure. It's the structure itself that makes it a structure. And that's important when we're applying other things like 250.32 of the NEC with grounding electrode systems and you know, all that good stuff that we've talked about many times before. But one of the significant understandings for me when it comes to a six disconnect rule and in meeting the rules of 230.71 and most notably the grouping rule of 230.72 is that I can take one service to a building as the general rule and we're saying none of the other allowance or conditions apply. What if I have a building that has six units in it and those units are separated by rated assemblies? then I've still got only one building. So I can only bring one service under the general rule to that building. Now, I do have allowances under 230.40 exception to be able to take service entrance conductors okay, and go on the outside of the building to each one of these uh, dwelling units. And then I only have to have no more than six at the point where those service entrance conductors goes into that unit. And then that's where you have your service disconnection means. I can, And that's where I can meet the up to six Rule the the rule of uh, rule of six, or I could obviously have a main breaker and whatnot, and then have an unlimited amount of overcurrent devices in that panel, provided it meets the rules for that panel board requirement. I, in other words, I mean forty or twenty circuit or whatever it is. Okay, I don't mean unlimited, unlimited. I think you get the point. So, at the end of the day, we need to understand the concepts of grouping a little bit more. Because if I had that unit as a strip mall and I had actual firewalls between each one of these units, then now each one of these are actually separate buildings and each could have their own service and each one could have their own up to six disconnects, uh, the maximum number, which is 230.71, okay? Um, for each service that is actually permitted by 230.2. Now, if other services are permitted to that building based on any of the conditions in 230.2, then each one of those services could add up to six disconnects per service. So, I mean, you get the understanding here. What we want to talk about is those two to six disconnection means and that requirement. So, assuming you understand everything up to that point, now we got to understand what the grouping concept is. And I like to think this. When it's really simple and you have a service, let's say it's coming from a service drop, down to a weatherhead, and now it's coming over, and we have service entrance conductors coming down. Maybe it's SE cable type U or style U coming down to the meters, uh, a meter bank, and then it's underneath that you have a disconnect for each unit. Okay, so I can have up to six in at one location. Well, it seems pretty cut and dry, 
If I have them all right there in the same location, uh, there is no distance that's defined in the grouping concept. But this is a situation where you really have to use a little common sense. Um, if I've got four of them here, and then, of course, they're kind of within arm's reach if they're smaller disconnection means, then that's pretty a no-brainer. But then I've got two of them that are further down the way that are not right here grouped together. And again, grouping being interpreted by the AHJ in their own opinion. Uh, I like to think, I used to do this, I used to teach my inspectors to open your arms up like a bird and are all your disconnects within this reach. If you're dealing with small stuff, 200 amp disconnects and things like that, that's okay. I mean, they're all technically grouped here in one location, they're kind of clustered together. Uh, but that's not always the case when you might have a set where they're using the six disconnect rule on a large service application where you could have um, I guess 800 amp or 1000 amp disconnects and you could have six of them and these disconnects themselves are three feet wide and so by the time they're stretched out on the side of this building they might be 30 or 40 feet long with these six disconnects well they're all really are grouped but due to their size they're kind of spaced out so again the arms stretched out rule doesn't apply I just say that's a good basis for when you're dealing with something like equipment, dwelling units, uh, uh, I guess multifamily dwelling units where you go to a location and you see six disconnects right there and they're kind of grouped together. That's your common sense type of thing. Uh, obviously, it can be larger than that and more span, uh, spanned out than that. But I'm just kind of giving you things to think about when you're making your interpretation of this. Okay. All right. So when we look at this, some of the things that generally come to mind in this two to six disconnect and obviously this does not apply to one because there's no need to have any grouping requirement if it's just one. You just have to follow the, the disconnection mean location placement requirements under 230.70A1, okay, which is outside of a building or structure or inside the nearest point of entrance of the surface conductors. Now, of course, people want to know how long, how far is that once it comes in? Well, the code says nearest the point of entrance. Uh, people say, well, why not make it six uh, once it comes through immediately? Or why not be 18 inches? Or why not three feet? Or why not six feet? Or whatever. Well, the goal here is to reduce the amount of service entrance conductors that are theoretically unprotected. Now, those conductors do have overload protection based on the fact that they've got to terminate into an overcurrent protected device. But, and of course we know overcurrent is short circuit ground fault and overload, but it, so it does have overload protection on the supply side, but all of the short circuit and ground fault protection takes place on the load side of that service disconnection means. So because that overcurrent device is actually limiting the amount of load that can go through it, it your conductors, service engine conductors are, are provided with some overload protection, so that's a good thing. But there's no short circuit or ground fault protection on this. So we want to keep them as short as possible uh, so that there's no potential for those live raceways or those live conductors or whatever to be in contact because there's not really any viable uh, short circuit or ground fault protection upstream. Okay, Now, there might be something at the transformer. Uh, it might be on the primary, certainly not on the secondary. And if it was, it would be very small. Uh, so in, uh, based on the voltages we're dealing with, dealing with, you would never clear the overcurrent device because those overloads and ground fault and short circuit things like that that take place out on the out at the transformer up high let's say on a pole that's all based on the level of, of voltage they're dealing with through the high power lines and that can be 13.8 or whatnot and of course that will clear over currents and things like that or whatever's up there okay all right anyway that's a whole different that's a whole different podcast let's kind of bring it back to grouping yeah you can tell i have add and i have a tendency to drift in directions and I you know I apologize ahead of time 
If you get something out of that, though, hey, it was worth it. All right, so grouping of disconnects. We're dealing with two to six disconnects. You notice it doesn't say two to seven. It says two to six, okay? But we do have an application here in 230.72b where it talks about additional service disconnection means. And, of course, you do have some allowances, as we said, in 230.82 for equipment that's connected on the supply side of the service disconnection means, okay? And they shall be permitted to be connected on the supply side, all right? So we have some of those allowances there to keep in mind of, all right? But we're going we're gonna to try to stay focused on our grouping issue. All right, so I'm going to throw the first scenario out there for you because I think it's sometimes better to teach by talking uh, and kind of giving you a paint you a picture. All right, so I've got a duplex, and this one's come up through the years, and I love to use this as an example. So I've got a duplex, uh, and it is an over and under. So I've got a fire-rated assembly separating the top duplex or the top unit from the bottom unit. So they come in, it's an overhead, it comes to the weatherhead, comes down service entrance conductors, uh, come down, they go into this dual meter stock, uh, set. And on one, in, in, in where the meter's located, it comes straight out of the back of the meter into the lower unit. Okay, So it immediately hits the service disconnection means on the lower unit. It's all in compliance with 230.70A1. It's immediately the, the nearest point of entry into that unit. And we're good to go with the low one, right? Well, what happens is a lot of times you'll have this second floor unit and they'll come out of that meter and very rarely will they go into the lower meter, uh, lower unit and then try to extend up to the second floor. Well, of course, those are still service entrance conductors and they cannot pass through the building and they, they do not meet 230.70A1. So that becomes an issue that's a safety concern. So in order to stop doing that, what they'll tend to do is come out of the meter on the outside when drop down and hit a disconnect, and then they'll go into the unit. All right. Well, if they do that and they drop down, sure, those conductors that are going into the unit now are feeders. But the other problem with that is now you've got an issue where the service disconnection mean is outside for the upper unit uh, because it's a disconnect. And, of course, they've got to protect those conductors now as they penetrate into the unit or the building. It's still one building because there's no firewalls. It's a fire-rated assembly. Uh, feeders can pass through different units. It's, that's not the issue. Um, the real issue becomes the fact that now I don't have a grouping requirement met. In other words, the code was very clear. It says the two to six disconnects as permitted in 230.71. And, of course, 230.71 says the service disconnect means for each service permitted by 230.2. And this building has one service that's permitted by 230.2 is now we have an issue where the two to six disconnects as permitted in 230.71 are not grouped and it says that it shall be grouped so that becomes a concern now people want to now want to say well then I want to use the 230.40 exception and that's okay but running those feeder conductors through the building does not meet the exceptions in 230.40 now if you ran service conductors on the outside of the building up to the second floor and then immediately penetrated through into a service equipment where you have a service disconnection means that does comply with the rules of 230.70A1, then you meet the disconnect rules. Okay? That that's just simple that you're meeting it in accordance with the 230.40 exception allowances. 
Okay, very common for this to take place in multifamily dwelling buildings uh, that where you have the service coming in and it taps at the weather head uh, and then breaks off into service entrance conductors that carry on independently to each individual unit. Uh, if that's the case. And then what ends up happening is the service disconnection means enters in. So that's kind of an exception allowance. You still have only one service to the building. But what we have is under this exception to 230.40 is allowing us to continue service entrance conductors on the outside of the building to other locations that are permitted in 230.40 exception 1, 3, 4, and 5, for example, Okay, when it comes to the number of disconnects. So... It's really important to understand it. I encourage you to go read 230.40 in the exceptions, and obviously we'll do a podcast as well as a video on that in future uh, episodes. Uh, But we're just trying to help you understand the grouping concept. So let's go back to the duplex. So it would be a distinct violation of 230.42a to have the lower unit have its service disconnection means on the inside and then have outside disconnection for the upper unit in order to be able to change over to feeders Uh, That would be a violation, even if those feeders stayed on the outside of the building and went up to the second floor, it still would be a violation because you're not grouping the service disconnection means as required here in 230.70a, 72a, excuse me. So uh, it's important to understand that. Now, don't get confused because it really doesn't matter whether it's just a two duplex or a threeplex or any type of application. It could be a strip mall where you have six units. The same rules are going to apply when it comes to this grouping rule. Okay, Uh, If I were to go to this application and I put the six disconnects underneath it at a strip mall and then I come out of each unit with a feeder to each building or each structure, a perfectly acceptable application. Okay, Uh, If I want to meet one of the requirements of 230.40 exception number one in order to carry service entrance conductors to these individual units uh, in those applications, then that's perfectly acceptable. You just really have to know the rules and how you apply them. But when it comes to that grouping, again, two to six disconnection means are permitted. Uh, in two, uh, the two to six permitted in 230.71 shall be grouped. Okay, So 230.71 gives you the permissive statement to do this. And then, of course, you have to group them. Now, When we're looking at 230.71 for the number, there's also a statement here that says, okay, here's our rule. Here's where it says there shall not be more than six sets of disconnection means per service grouped in any one location. Then it goes on to give us a little more guidance. It says, well, look, for the purpose of this section, and that is 230.71, it says disconnection means installed as part of listed equipment and used solely for the following shall not be considered a service disconnection means. So, for example, power monitoring equipment, surge protective devices, control circuits of a ground fault uh, protection system, or even power-operated service disconnection means could be located next to these six disconnects and could be conceived by an inspector as being a seventh service disconnect. And it's not. It's just a disconnection means for one of those four items that we just talked about. Okay? So... Really don't want people to lose sight of what we're we're talking about here uh, when it comes to that application. All right. Okay. So now let's talk about the exception to grouping because I think it's important that we kind of get this out of the way. Now in the exception it says okay. So understanding the premise of two to six disconnects have to be grouped, and I gave you the example of a of a duplex because that's just the easiest one to solidify the concept here. All right. 
Um, so now let's go on to the exception, and then I'll bring up another scenario to kind of make your head scratch about. It goes, okay, the exception to the grouping of two to, uh, two to six says one of the two to six disconnects uh, means permitted in 230.71 were used only for a water pump also intended to provide fire protection. So that's a fire pump application. Shall be permitted to be located remote from the other disconnection means. If remotely installed in accordance with this exception, a plaque shall be posted at the location of the remaining grouped disconnections denoting its location. Okay, so the specific application is for a fire pump application. Okay, and that means that, look, I've still got to put plaques on here on the remaining grouped location saying, hey, by the way, there's another disconnect, a service disconnect somewhere else. And it might be remote, and it needs to tell you where it's at, okay? Northeast corner of the building or whatever it is, because you know what? Somebody needs to know there's still. So when the first responders come and they, they, they shut it off. Now, I can hear people now say, Paul, well, they're not going to shut off the disconnect. They're going to pull the meters. You have no way of knowing that because you don't know what's going to happen when somebody comes to a building and that thing's fully involved and they're trying to shut things off. And if these disconnects are right there and they can get to them and they can kill that power, um, and depending on the time they can get there, that might be the quickest thing, the easiest thing for them to do to kill power to that building. You know what? You know what you might do, but you have no idea what somebody else would do. If you don't believe me, just go on YouTube and watch a bunch of videos with people doing stupid crap, and you would say to yourself, what the heck? I would never do that. That's right. You wouldn't, but that fool did. So look, don't ever think that you can judge what somebody else can do. We can't fix stupid. We can only use the code to moderate stupidity, okay? We can't eliminate it, all right? So that's the thing. That's your quote of the day. All right, so if you're dealing with this, then we can actually do that. The plaques are involved and everything tells you where it's at. Plus, the reason that this remote allowance is here is because we don't want somebody inadvertently shutting down the fire pump to a building accidentally, and now we have an issue, Okay, the, you know we want those fire pumps in 695. That's the article dealing with them. We want the pump to burn up. We want the wire to burn up. We size all that thing to lock rotor. We 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 size everything in order for that that system to totally burn up in an attempt to give people enough time to get out of a building. Trust me, we're not trying to stop that building from burning down. That's not what the fire pump's about. It's about buying somebody time to be able to get out of the building. I don't care about the property. I care about life and getting people out of that building. Now, if the sprinkler systems or whatever that's involved in that type of thing with the fire pump helps reduce some of the damage to the building and puts it out quicker, hey, that's a bonus. But really, it's to me, it's, it's about life. It's about maintaining and keeping life sacred is what it is. So that's your allowance for that. Now, you also have what's 230.72B. Now, this says additional service disconnection means. Again, additional. That's additional to the two to six, Okay. It says, and let me read it. It says the one or more additional service disconnection means for fire pumps, emergency systems, legally required standbys, or optional standby services permitted by 230.2. That means I'm permitted to take additional services to a building that I shall be able to have additional ones. And they need to be sufficiently remote. So you understand that we're talking about additional service disconnection means. We're not talking about the two to six core 
disconnection means. Okay. All right. Uh, and, and incidentally, with that, you could have one disconnection means to a building, and you could have an additional service disconnection means. And that would be if it meets this criteria of 230.72b, then it has to be remote because of the prospect that somebody could accidentally or inadvertently turn it off and create another hazard. So it's it's important to know A and B and how it plays a role and how we make decisions in the code. And that's all we wanted, wanted to talk about, okay? Uh, and then lastly, we kind of just look at 230.72C, which is access to occupants. Now, it says real clearly, in a multiple occupancy building, each occupant shall have access to the occupant's service disconnection means. Okay, so if there's, they generally in a multi-occupancy building, the occupants have to have access to their service disconnection means for whatever reason that might be, okay? Um, they have to have afforded the ability. But of course, with everything, we have an exception to that rule. So that's the general rule. Now, don't get overly dug into the weeds here. As I say, don't get into the seaweed, okay? And, and understand that if you go with the premise that you're going to have a location where any occupant uh, of this building, of the multi-occupancy building, can have access to their service disconnection means, there's always an exception to this rule. And it says, in a multiple occupancy building where electric service and electrical maintenance are provided by the building management and where they are under continuous building management supervision, means they have a maintenance staff, the service disconnection means supplying more than one occupancy shall be permitted to be uh, accessible to authorized management personnel only. What does that mean? Locked in a room. That means the occupants don't necessarily have to have access to that service disconnection means because there's somebody there that will maintain it. However, if you have one of those buildings that don't have that, uh, most notably, let's say it's a a, a building that maybe has six units or seven units and all of the disconnection service disconnection means are located outside, then clearly all the occupants have access to it. It's outside. However, if it's in a building where there is actually a electrical maintenance team uh, who really around the clock takes care of things, that's what you're paying for. Maybe you're paying it in a, a monthly fee to the uh, whatever it is, the HOA or whatever you've got, and you've got this maintenance staff, then you're not going to have access to these service disconnection means. Now, you're going to have access to the overcurrent devices that are in your unit, but you're not going to have access to these service disconnection means. So that's what this exception deals with, right? So you just need to understand it and, and get a grip on this thing. Now, while we're talking about that, let's talk just a little bit about um, another scenario that you might run into. Oh, so let's take that same duplex scenario, Okay. And let's say that we have the same duplex, and this can apply to a lot of things, but I, I like to base it, keep it in a duplex scenario because it really gives you an idea of two different units. So what you've got is the old same scenario. We got the meter outside, a two-gang meter stack, and the lower unit has the disconnect that runs, uh, that goes straight out of one meter into that lower unit. Okay, service disconnection means it, it meets the compliance with 230.70A1. You're happy with the lower unit. Now let's assume the upper unit wants to get a generator and they want to put a transfer switch that is SUSE rated, suitable for use of service equipment. Of course, remembering that that is a listed product, that it also has to take all of your grounding uh, electrode systems and all that schemes have to go into that actual transfer switch, which is now going to be your service disconnection means uh, per, you know, for this rule. 
uh, if you're doing this, and I've seen this take place, and we just recently had a question submitted on this. So they take that disconnect outside, and or they want to disconnect outside, and now they put this transfer switch that Susie rated and has a service rating on it, it has a service disconnection means, and now they run a, a generator into it, and of course then they feed from there the upper unit uh, outside. Well, they are still in violation of the grouping. Even though now they have that transfer switch that is disc service disconnect, it still has to meet the rules of 230.72a. It means it is still one of the two disconnection means, and they have to be grouped. It's as simple as that. So that would still be a violation. Now, how would I fix that? Well, I guess I could take the disconnect that's in the first unit underneath, instead come out of, down out of the meter and put a disconnect outside, and then change it over to four conductors and run to the panel inside of the lower unit. And now I've got two service disconnects outside, and they are indeed grouped. They are giving the message to the first responders that it's grouped, and then I'm okay. All right, so let's take this scenario one step further. Let's say that I have a single-family dwelling that has a 400-amp service, uh, service drop that's coming to it, and everything's basically, uh, once I get to the weatherhead, because we know that the service drop, the utility can size that to whatever the load they feel they've uh, done an analysis of, um, and, and assuming that that's outside of the scope of the NEC, once it gets to the service point and change over, then the electrician takes over. So he sized the conductors coming down based on 400 amperes or the calculated load that they're dealing with. Now they come to a, two, uh, a, a meter. And now out of the meter, they're coming into each individual unit or into their unit with two 200 amp panels. Well, once the units were inside, these two meters panels are side by side. Then the disconnects, service disconnects are all in accordance with 230.70A1. Luckily, we changed that rule a couple cycles ago in order to make that application very compliant. So there's no issue there. Uh, they are grouped. They meet the intent of 230.70A1. Well, somewhere down the road, the electrician visits them and says, you know what? I, you need a generator. Or they want a generator for optional standby. Okay. So what happens is, he says, tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to install a transfer switch outside, and now I'm going to turn that one of those 200 amp panels inside into a remote distribution panel. Some people call it a sub-panel, but it really, it's a, it's a remote panel. Uh, it's remote equipment. It's a remote distribution panel, if you want to call it will. So now they change it over, and they put a service-rated, Susie-rated transfer switch outside. Well, they took what was a compliant installation and have now made it a non-compliant installation because now they have moved the service disconnecting means outside. And so now what you have is a service disconnection means inside and a service disconnection means outside. Now, there's no problem with adding that transfer switch uh, in this application because it would be something that would be not frowned upon in 230.82 item 5. However, that rule tends to deal more with taps to be able to add things on the uh, on the uh, supply side of a service disconnection means, uh, and that's where we usually tap for fire pumps, we'll tap for sprinkler alarm system applications, standby systems, uh, like an optional, it doesn't really differentiate, it just says standby systems. Um, and so in this case, people argue that you can't put a transfer switch there. Well, you couldn't put a transfer switch there if the transfer switch was not service rated. And they do make them out there that are not. They don't have the disconnection means in it. They don't have the forwarded that. It's just simply a switch. Then that would be a violation of 230.82, most notably item 5. But that would be a problem because transfer switches don't appear in the list 
of equipment that can be connected on the supply side of service disconnect. However, in this case, they're using a transfer switch that was service rated, and so they were okay with that part of the rule, but they are not okay with now putting that service disconnection means on the outside, yet you still had one on the inside. Now, if they, again, if they want to add a service disconnect for the other panel on the outside so that both of them are outside, then okay. That's fine. All right? So that type of thing. Uh, it's not going to be an issue. Or if they wanted to make a tap to the outside service conductors ahead of the service disconnection means for that other panel and then carry it down the way to another disconnect location, then that's acceptable too under 230.82. So you just have to understand the rules a little bit. But Mir, we really want to focus on the disconnect application. All right. So I think that kind of paints you the best picture I can about grouping. And a lot of people get that confused. Remember, this is a first responders rule. This is designed to keep installations safe. One life that we lose is way too many. And there is no way that there should be any excuse for the first responders, our firemen, uh, our, our people that go into these buildings to save lives, to not be safe. There's a lot of stress going on. There's a lot of things that are running through your head. There's, they are not electrical experts, but they do know how to turn off breakers. They do know how to pull meters and do whatever they can. And we cannot assume that they will do it or understand it under that stress of that situation. This is why we have all these rules for rapid shutdown for PV systems and things like that because you just don't know what's in a building. And so we have to be very careful with these rules. And again, for first responders, the 230.72 grouping of disconnects is a very important safety rule uh, that shouldn't be taken lightly. And that's why we have it, and that's why it's still here in the 2017 NEC. Uh, and so it is what it is, so embrace it, however you agree with it or disagree with it. If you don't like it, then we eagerly await your public input on the 2023 cycle because we're already knee-deep in the 2020 cycle. Uh, and so uh, I encourage you to get involved. You, cannot, you, you might not like some of the things that the NEC says, but you have no voice if you don't get involved. So I encourage you to get in part of the process, submit your public inputs. I encourage you to substantiate your position because otherwise we're going to file them in that old circular bin that's right beside the table. Uh, that's the trash can in case you know any better. Uh, you just don't get things in there because you just don't think it looks right or smells right. you got to be able to justify it. Okay? I mean, that's what we usually base everything on. So... At least that's our goal anyway. So anyway, that's it for today, folks. I hope you got something about the grouping. Uh, if you want to know more about the 230.2 and the 230.40 exceptions, 1, 3, 4, 5, and all those, or even exception number 2, um, listen for those podcasts. I'll try to explain those in more detail to you. I really just wanted to give you some scenarios today about grouping and understanding the concept of grouping. Uh, and it really isn't that difficult if you stop, you take a breath, and you look at it. It's not that big a deal everybody should get this right and not make any mistakes with it. Common sense rules the day, my friends. Anyway, God bless. Take care. Until next time, hey, stay safe.